What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Trill Brodude, a.k.a. Porter. Um, I don't have much to say up top. I just wanted to basically remind you to, you know, like, subscribe, uh, share the podcast, rate it, review it. I appreciate anything I can get. I had Ryan Jones on today. You might know him as the you're going to jail guy from Twitter. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we just talked about the Celtics and the Sixers and kind of how we feel about the team as the playoffs get closer. Um, So nothing else really to say. Enjoy the podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast that I won't say the name of because I'm in the middle of changing it right now. So uh, <laughs> uh, we're, we're back for another episode. Um, I'm very lucky to have on a longtime Twitter friend of mine, um, Mr. Ryan Jones. Uh, you might know him as the guy who sends everyone to jail. What's going on, Ryan? How's it going, man? Uh, uh, pleased to be on. And that is definitely how a lot of people know me, so that makes sense. When when did that whole thing start? I guess I, I kind of missed that. Uh, I know that any time that Sh- Sham or Woj would tweet things kind of holding water for the NBA, it just became, you're going to jail. So it it was actually Schefter was the first, uh, was the uh... first target. It was like, so like during the NFL season – there was like, it would be Sunday morning at like, you know, 10 a.m. or whatever time it was, it would, it would be Schefter saying that no, like there were, uh, like there were no positive COVID tests. And then, you know, week four, five, six, whatever week it was, uh, week six is ready to go. And then on Wednesday, there would be like 55 tests and like (laughs) the game would get like postponed and everything like that. And I was just like, I don't know how to say this, man, but I think that you should go to jail for this <laughs> was the first time that I said it was like week seven. It was like right after like like the Ravens had just had their game postponed and just played on like Wednesday. And there was like the like the Steelers had lost their bye week and everything like that. I remember that. Yep. Week seven. Good to go. And I was like, I don't know, man. I think that you should go to jail for this. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it spawned. And then it just became, uh, you know. He's especially bad. I feel like Schefter's like another level of just total idiot holding water for billionaires. And uh, yeah, like basically acting as though um, everything's good to go. Everything's fine. No, no, no concerns. <laughs> this is fine. Uh, like the dog uh, in the burning house gif. Uh, that's right. But yeah, so um, that's what you might know Ryan from. Um, you know, Ryan, obviously huge Sixers fan, huge Philly sports fan in general. So I wanted to have him come on and just talk a little bit about the Sixers. And he might be the best person to follow if you hate the Celtics. So considering that – and by the way, we, we both have a lot of Twitter friends that are huge Celtics fans who – we regularly like to just, you know, mess with. That's what makes it fun. That's yeah, exactly. Fun. And this year especially has been absolutely fantastic as Danny Ainge is proving to be a whole fraud and Brad Stevens uh, is losing his grip on the team and the Celtics uh, coming off of one of their worst losses of the year against the Sixers. You know, it was only a 10-point game, but if you watch the game, it didn't feel like that at all. Never really felt like the Celtics had a chance in that game. So let's just start up top. We can talk about the Sixers 
we'll talk about the Sixers most of the pod, but why do you think the Celtics are so specifically bad this year? <laughs> so it's funny in that, like watching that game the other night, once they put, uh, once they put Taco in and like the, you know, there was like seven minutes left in the second quarter. I was just like, well, it's over. this game, this game's <laughs> like, <laughs> that's literally Brad just like, kind of like throwing his hands up. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, uh, like, I think that they they have, I believe I saw that they've lost, like, the most games, uh, like, the most COVID games. I don't know how to, like, phrase yeah. that. Yeah, like, yeah, the protocol. That, they obviously, have, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, that obviously has to do uh, has to do with it, for sure. But, yeah, they just, uh, I don't know, they're, whereas, like, the Sixers this year, uh, like, the vibes are just, you know, Impeccable. the vibes are at an, at an all-time high i've never you know it's like i don't want to say anything crazy but like strictly vibes concerned it's like 2017 eagles like like, where you just you know i don't even you know hate watching them so that that should tell you how good good they are um and it seems like their vibes are just like you know just out of control terrible so I think that you, you can just, you know, and like I said, we both have pals who are Celtics fans. You just like read their tweets and it's like, oh my God, we play again tonight. I'm like, this is exactly how I felt last year. Like, Yeah, absolutely. I was, you know, the bubble, it doesn't seem like the best idea to me. Like, are you sure we should, like, you know? Like Maybe Kyrie is right. on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For multiple reasons, Kyrie is always right. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah um... Right now, it's there's definitely something weird going on with the Celtics, and, and I know that things are bad when – and this is – when you get to the point where you're begging for Romeo Langford minutes and you think that he's going to save the team, um, I think that Sam that's – well, Yeah. If you're I, it's, <laughs> Sam, Sam Sheehan from Twitter, uh, you know, Hoops NBA. A lot, a lot of guys that, that I like and respect seem to think that um, – Romeo Langford will who has proven that he essentially has no offensive skills outside of occasionally hitting a three um will be the savior of this team uh but but kind of looking at it big picture I think there's a lot of obviously like you know the, the it's all kind of snowballing at once like I think that the, the idea has been the Celtics have overachieved for the past few years you know the one line you'll always hear is well, they've been to three conference finals in four years. And I'm like, okay, but let's talk about the context of that, okay? 2016, 2017, they got to the conference finals in an incredibly weak Eastern Conference, had a very easy road, and then got absolutely walloped by LeBron and the Cavs. 2017, 2018, they absolutely, like, they beat us. Like, I can't really, like, the, yeah, I, I can't really say bad. anything. They beat us. You know, Brad did a great coaching job. Tatum had a breakout. Uh, you know, Al Horford was still playing in his prime before he became the worst player of all time with the Sixers. And then... Worst person as well. What's that? Worst person of all time. <laughs> well. I would reserve that for his sister, but I understand. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, you know, obviously they have the Kyrie year, the last Kyrie year, which did not go well. And then the, the this past year, which was they crushed the Sixers in the first round. 
as you said, the Sixers vibes were off. There, so we were terrible last year. <laughs> absolutely terrible. Our three best. If if you were to say going into that series, three or of our four best players, maybe because by that point, I don't even know if we would consider Horford and Tobias one of our best players just because of how poorly they were playing. But you would look at that and you would say, okay, so, so two of our best players are both centers. And then our other guy is a power forward who needs spacing. And we provide no spacing for Embiid, no spacing for Tobias. And on top of that, we're in the bubble. The team seems to not even like each other at that point. The vibes are so bad. <laughs> Rick Brown is already on his way out. And then they crush us. And I have to give them credit. Kemba looked fantastic. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from how they, they beat us both times. But then they play Toronto and they, a team with no superstar. Kyle Lowry's their best player. And, you know, Kyle Lowry's great, but he's not even peak Kyle Lowry at this point. And in addition to that, you basically have a bunch of younger guys, Kyle Lowry and, you know, Marcus All and Serge Ibaka, whatever. And they get back Rock to. Stinking it up in the book. Yeah. Oh, my God. Siakam was an absolute disaster. Jalen Brown put him in prison and takes him to seven. And, you know, then they they face off with Miami. They lose. My point is, is that when you say three out of four conference finals, it's a bit misleading. Like, I think that even Celtics fans would agree that they have overachieved over the past few years and that the only time that I think that other other than that year they beat us and they they took LeBron's cab to seven games, I don't really think any of those teams would be like a quality conference finals team in a right. good there's like in, there's different levels yeah, to it. Yeah. In a good like, conference. Like in the Western Conference, that team is losing in the first round every year almost. Maybe the second round. Um and I could you could say the same thing about us for the past few years, except for the Jimmy year, probably. So now you kind of have this snowball effect of, you know, kind of missing on draft picks. You know, Danny H did a great job at the top of the draft getting Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, obviously. And then in the the mid to late picks is where it's more of a mixed bag. He has essentially now, it seems like Aaron Neesmith is, is a miss, even though it's very early in his career and it's too early to write him off. Romeo Langford, the injuries, you know, he's a good defensive prospect, has shown a little bit on offense, but whatever. Peyton Pritchard, okay, he's a he's a decent bench guard, fine. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was a, like, that was definitely a good pick. Yeah, right? like, and, I think it's safe to and say. And I think Robert Williams is probably the best pick, even though I know that you're a, a bit of a... That's nah, old, old true here, but, you know. <laughs> Robert work. Williams detractor. You know, overall, I would say it's it's his draft record isn't as bad as people makes it seem to be. It's really those mid-round picks that he, he missed on. And the problem is when... You know, you're you're dedicating all of your resources to hitting in the draft and you're not hitting on every pick or you're not at least in a, in a way you're not making it so that basically uh, you have to choose a route. Like you either have to develop these guys and lose or you have to package them together with picks and hope that another team would buy on them and you can get some veteran players in to kind of boost the roster. It's funny that it's funny that you say that because I actually think that the uh, and you know I know we don't know we don't want to like spend the whole pod talking about them, but I actually think that they're uh, like the elephant in the room for them is actually the Kemba thing. I was gonna say I I, I was gonna he say is, that's he is yeah 
he, he's not the same. Like, and yeah. but the thing is, the thing is with the Kemba thing, and I was going to say this because Kemba has been a Sixers killer in the past, even though he's never beat the Sixers or at least beat the Sixers oh, with Ben yeah. Simmons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's like fifty-five points in the yeah. like Jimmy game, the first Jimmy game, if you remember. yeah, in the regular season. Outside of that, obviously the bubble sweep. You know, he he killed us. Um, and yeah, he had that that insane game against the Sixers with Jimmy Butler where he roasted them. They lost that game, even though he scored 60. Like, like the, the thing about the young players is like, you know, it's it, I think it is easy to put a lot of blame on the young guys, even their star players and Jason, uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But Kemba not being the same seems to be the biggest difference between last year's team and this year's team. I agree. And I also, think- also, Grant Williams was like a decent contributor for them last year, and he's been a complete zero. Yeah, but but the Kemba thing is definitely one hundred percent the biggest thing. I was going to get to that, but it, beyond the Kemba thing, like Kemba not being himself, not being nearly as explosive, not hitting pull up threes at the at the same clip. I think he's around the same clip, but he started very poorly. It's definitely the biggest issue that they're having because they don't like you know as good as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are, they're not primary initiate initiators. They're more secondary guys who are like can be like elite level ISO scorers as secondary guys, but they really have no one to kind of start that offense. And then on top of that, their defense is worse this year. So as they take on more of the offensive role or offensive load because of Kemba's thing, their defense gets worse. So it's kind of a multitude of things that have led up to this point. But yeah, I think the Kemba thing's the by far the biggest thing. And like, it's not to say that it was. Uh, it's not to say it was a bad signing, because like you know, you guys like that don't have free agency a ton. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a chance to sign a guy who's like an all star, like you, you know, you do. You it. would take. It. Yeah, he's you know six foot guard, and it, it like like I said, he is. He just doesn't have that like blit. Like he would just his first step used to be so like electric and everything, and he just like. Once you take, you know, 10% of that or, how, you know, just throwing out a number, 15%, whatever it is, it really does show you the difference of how effective a guy can be. Because he would, you know, just blow by guys Absolutely. and get to the rim. And like, once you take that away, it, it does, uh, like, show you how important that is for sure. Especially for a six-foot undersized guard who's not a great defender, you know, like basically there are ways to, you know, kind of make up for that loss of explosion. I think Kyle Lowry is a good example of a guy who has aged gracefully for a six foot guard, but Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul are generally the exception, not the rule. And you see it. Lowry's just strong as hell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's just... Yeah, and also there seems to be – also, the thing about a guy like Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul, like they do all the little things, whereas Kemba has always been a ball-dominant guy. He's always been the star of the team until last year was really the first time when he became more of like a 1B type to Jason Tatum. And I think that part of it is, you know, Tatum and Brown – obviously Tatum had COVID. He was out. He hasn't looked the same since he's come back. Tatum and Brown, as I said before, if they're your your second and third guy on offense, your offense is going to look great. When they become your first and second guy, and then you're surrounding them with the talent that they're surrounding them with offensively, you're going to see a little bit of a setback. Like, 
and, and it's not to say that, as I said before, with, with Danny Ainge and the draft picks, it's like, I think that everyone keeps bringing up like, okay, uh, you know, at the at the deadline, I thought the Evan Fournier move was a good move. Like I said before, like I wanted to shit on their deadline. Yeah, they, they get two seconds for him. Yeah, they got yeah, two that's... two seconds, and everyone was like, "Oh, they, they they didn't use the trade exception well." I'm like, Evan Fournier is a pretty good player. I mean, starting level player, he'll be one of the best bench players in the NBA now. Like I really did not. I like Evan Fournier, and the thing about that is like when Fournier misses that game, Tristan Thompson, even though he's been disappointing, misses that game, you're replacing him with guys who are replacement level NBA players at this point. And like, you know, maybe Grant Williams will get better. Maybe Romeo Langford will get better. Maybe all these guys will become decent rotation players, but right now they're not. So going into the deadline, my thing was you shouldn't overpay for this year because it's pretty clear. You're not going to be a championship contender this year, but if you can get any NBA rotation players, that's why for like a month, everyone was like, oh my God, imagine Harrison Barnes on this team. <laughs> I'm like, right. yeah, he was starving for Harrison Barnes. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, Harrison Barnes is, he's like a solid player now. Like he's been good this year, but like the, it just shows you the lack of NBA talent that they had beyond their top four or five guys. And Ultimately, what will get them back on that right path is everyone being healthy at the same time. But, like, at this point, I don't see them as any sort of threat in the East. Would you agree? Uh, no, they're just not that. I mean, like, I would be fine playing with them. Like, they have no – I I want. I will say, like, I've been higher on Tatum than, like, probably – well, definitely than, than the average Sixers fan. But I've been higher on Tatum than consensus for – I don't know, a couple of years now. Yeah, I think here. that he is, like, very, very good. He's obviously uh, not had the best year. Like you said, he has COVID and everything. Um, but I just – they're not – I don't know. They're just not very good. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't sound very uh, scientific or anything. And I know that, like, you know, they. if you ask one of them, they they may be like, well, we always beat you guys in the playoffs, which is like, you know, that's fine. But I feel – I feel very confident against them. Yeah, they're not who I'm worried about. <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> not. We'll get to. <laughs> yeah, and and also if if you think about the fact that like yes, you have beat us in the playoffs before. Last year we were missing our second best player, who is the key to slowing down Jason Tatum. I mean, he's shown it time after time again. If we don't have Ben Simmons, the Celtics uh, or Jason Tatum is is having a good game. Like that's just like the reality of the situation. With Ben there, he can slow down Tatum a little bit. You know, now we've surrounded Embiid with shooting, so it's kind of a pick-your-poison situation. You know, last year we didn't have a Danny Green who could come out and hit five threes. We didn't have a Seth Curry. We didn't have guys. We didn't. What's that? My guy, Danny Green. Are you saying that sarcastically or, or – No, I'm saying that like I, like I feel like it's like he is legit my guy. It's crazy how good he's been. It's oh, like he's awesome. Yeah. I, at first, the first month or two of the season, I was like, shit, did we really get a wash, Danny Green? I was like, he couldn't guard anyone on ball. I was like, he wasn't hitting his threes. And I was like, shit, of course we would get this guy who's been like a key part of a championship team for the past two years and then has three titles. And then we get this wash version. Of him. But he's been absolutely fantastic recently. And the, the kind of going back to your point with, with Tatum, I think the average Sixers fan thinks Jason Tatum isn't as good as he is because 
outside of, you know, the series without Simmons, the past two or three years, Tatum hasn't really destroyed the Sixers in the way that he has other teams. Like I, I yeah, watch as someone who has watched Jason, but, but then again, it's like, okay, Luka Doncic has struggled against Ben Simmons. Do you think right, that Luka yeah. Doncic isn't good? <laughs> like, yeah. like, I think that I kind sure, of, to tell you that they would rather have like Ben than him. So but. yeah, exactly. And I, I I think it it basically comes down to with with the Tatum thing. Like I think that surround Tatum with the right pieces, give him give him last year's version of Kemba, and give him a better supporting cast. You know, Gordon Hayward when he was there, and you can see how good of a player this guy can be. Like, I think he's an awesome player. I don't, I do not think that Jalen Brown's better than him. There are a lot of, that's a, I mean, you have to be like, you, I think that that's, I think that that's crazy that anyone could possibly think that. There's a lot of Sixers fans who think that. I know. I know. know. Do you know why it is? I think, I think that, I think that Jalen Brown has a more aesthetically pleasing game to watch. Like he's, he's, he lo- he looks a little bit more athletic. Like he he's a ath- very athletic player. He tends to have decent games against the Sixers. Um, he at least in theory, I guess, uh, is a good defender. But he has proven that uh, this year he's not quite the defender that I think that people thought that he was. He's he he tends to match up well with fours. Um, he he play his post defense has not looked great. His, uh, his off ball defense is not good. Like Tatum's the better defender of the two. Yeah. And I think that just because Tatum is thought to be like an ISO scorer, everyone just goes, well, he's Carmelo Anthony, right? Yeah. (laughs) yeah, I don't, I, we're in like total lockstep on this, like for sure. And I think that like people forget that, Jason Tatum is what a year and a half, almost two years younger than Jalen Brown too. Like yeah. the idea of uh, like Jalen Brown being this great, like Jalen Brown wasn't really that great until this year. Like you have been, to, you've been a known skeptic of Jalen Brown's game, and even this year he started off fantastic. The regression hit pretty hard this past month or two. So it's not like he's going to continue to play at this like all-star starter level for probably the rest of his career in the way that I think that Jason Tatum could. So, all right, enough about the Celtics. I kind of, kind of got off most of my points there. I wish that I could trash Danny Ainge more, but the, what's that? I said, that's a podcast. That's what what you do on a podcast. There we go. go. You know? Yeah. And well, especially my podcast, but, um, I wish that I could trash Danny Ainge more, but the more I looked at his draft record and the more I thought about his moves, it's really the moves on the margins that are bad and you can recover from those moves. The big moves overall have been fine. So I think ultimately the Celtics will be able to right the ship. But for now, we're talking about the Sixers who have done exactly what the Celtics need to do, which is essentially get rid of the guys that don't fit, put in the talent around the two, two or three, I mean, let's be honest, has Ben Simmons been our second best player this year? So, yeah, <laughs> you, you're talking to the former, like, number one, like, Tobias was going to jail for a while. Like, <laughs> he even said time. it. He said, he's like, and, they didn't want me to leave my house last year. Yeah, and, but I still think that Ben, like, with, uh, he, 
has struggled, but I still think that that stretch where he was scoring well combined with the defense all year, I still think he he is. Uh, I still think he. I would say he was. He's our second best player. Yes, I think overall he's our second best player. Like if you if you said to me like, all right, rank the Sixers best players, but this year I have to in terms of consistency. In terms of improvement all around, uh, having a better all, uh, just an all around like I think is I think Tobias's scoring has been better. I mean, I I got this stat the other day, which was basically if you look at guys who are high volume two point scorers, so guys other than centers, because if you got to kind of have to take centers out yeah. of the equation, like you know DeAndre Ayton was in there, but also like DeAndre Ayton is just standing near the rim and just dunking the ball. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. So Tobias Harris is averaging 55.8% on two-point attempts on 541 attempts this year. The only other non-bigs, if you count Zion and Giannis as non-bigs, to take at least 500 two-point attempts and make more than 55% are Devin Booker, Kawhi, Luka, Kyrie, and Zach Levine, who are all all all-stars. Yeah. And since the all-star break, especially outside of, you know, the Celtics game, he didn't look great. The Bucks game, he didn't look great when he was more of a first, second option. Tobias has been pretty consistently, I would say, the Sixers' second best player this year. Ben's had his struggles. But ultimately, I think that if this team is going to reach the heights that we are going to to reach, Ben needs to be our second best player. Because... I, as much as I like Tobias, and as as great as he's been during the regular season, if Tobias Harris is your second best player, you're not winning a title. <laughs> like unless he unless he he has a Fred Van Fleet type, um, absolutely unsustainable hot streak in 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 his bag uh, during the playoffs. So let's start just talking about the Sixers a little bit in terms of the Ben and Dwight situation, because what what this situation has shown this season is that Ben and Dwight do not fit together. Ben, when he doesn't have the ball, needs to be in the dunker spot. So having a center like Dwight, who is a traditional big, who doesn't shoot, who tends to stand in the post when he doesn't have the ball, it's creating a little bit of this log jam where the spacing gets messed up, the offense looks awful, and... They're, it's essentially an untenable situation. And the Sixers, Sixers fans keep saying, we need to stretch big, we need to stretch big, we need to stretch big. But I'm not even sure if there is a stretch big that can solve the, what the Sixers' issue is. Because there's no one that can hit threes at a high clip and protect the rim that's out there, especially now that the trade deadline has passed. So do you think that we should just play Bannon and Bede together at all times during the playoffs and then hope that we can survive during the minutes without one, those two? So I've actually, uh, it's interesting that you bring this up because I have been kind of on the other side of this. I did not think that a stretch big was uh, as big of a need as most people, I would say. I was very much in the, uh, you know, like George Hill. I know he's like, whatever is, what is it, his hand or something like that? His finger? Um, Thumb. Okay, there you go. Um, I know that, you know, it's like definitely annoying that he hasn't played yet. But see, I think that like with George Hill, like with a healthy George Hill on the court, I should say, I think that this basically solves like solves this issue, basically, because if you have a guy who can dribble 
like a, basically a point guard. I know that's a crazy thing. It's a foreign concept. Word. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. And like in the context of the Sixers, I'm just you know when I watch other teams, they have these guys. <laughs> um, I think that he really solves, and I think we'll see that he solves, like solves this issue basically because in the playoffs you can run like a you know a George Hill like. Shake, um, Matisse, Tobias, Dwight lineup. And I think that you, like, you do have two non shoot. Well, I mean, so, some people would say Matisse is a shooter, but I would call him a non shooter. He's virtually, um, he's only a shooter in theory. Yeah, like, he can shoot the ball. <laughs> he has that, like, he is, willing to, to, he is willing to shoot the ball. <laughs> yeah. So you do have, like, two non shooters in that lineup, but I still think that that gets you by with the defense that you would have. Um, but to answer your question, I like. I think that the Joel Ben should be like prior, like those minutes together should be prioritized in the playoffs. But I think that once, I think that this is a problem that we have solely because George Hill has like not played yet, and I think that he solves way more of your. I think I, I tweeted something like similar to uh, tweeted something at you similar to to this like the other day. Like I think that that was a problem solely because like our second lineup was what it was like without, you know, a George Hill type. Right. You're and that could shake at that point guard position. Shake yeah, isn't shake really is, a point guard. I think shake, it has more like, uh, like I, I was a shake skeptic for a while and I definitely was like, I wrong that. on how good he, he is. He definitely like can play. Like that's not a question anymore, but I think he has more like, um, not like he's not a gunner, but like he has more like gunner in him than like definitely than like floor general type. If that right. makes if that makes sense, you know yeah. what I mean. Like you don't want him run, like the second line, the second units where he's running in the offense. It's just like a bunch of guys standing around and they're like, "Shake, you do your thing, bro." Like, <laughs> let Shake cook. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing is that I, I I've been a big proponent of. Get a point guard who can kind of stabilize the offense a little bit, even though George Hill, this late version of George Hill, isn't, you know, what he was when he was Indiana, kind of running, running units and 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 being that kind of floor general. He has the ability to have the ball in his hands, set the table, make sure everyone's in the right places, play make a little bit, shoot. Like he can do all the things that you want a your point guard to do, but also because of his shooting and his in almost 50% as a catch-and-shoot guy, he also has the ability to play with your starters, and he has the ability to play off-ball if Tobias is running a second unit or Shake is, is running it at times. And I totally agree with the Shake thing. Like, I think that solving the Shake issue will be because we have George Hill now. Like, you've seen it in the games where Maxi looks good, like the Cavs game. Maxi looked awesome in the Cavs game. He was getting into the paint at will. He was whipping those passes across the court. He was doing these things that you want your point guard to do. And Shake was running off screens and he was getting downhill and he was catching and shooting and it looked awesome. And I think that that is the idea of what you want George Hill to be. And I do think that you can get by, like, if you think about it, like, Ben and Embiid in the playoffs are realistically only going to miss, what, 
eight minutes a game, 12 minutes a game, if you want any chance of beating I think Ben will play. I mean, I think Ben will play. 42 some nights 40 like i know that's the thing though is like how many bless you how many crossover minutes are you gonna get from dwight and ben because joel might not have even though joel's stamina and his endurance has improved i still don't think he's gonna reach those tobias ben level of minutes in the playoffs so how many minutes can you survive if you're playing dwight and ben together or do you think that it's possible that they could just try Ben a Ben or Tobias small ball five? I'm skeptical of that. I know a lot of people think that, but I, I'm very skeptical. It just hasn't ever worked with Ben. Like It takes away everything that makes him special defensively mm-hmm. and makes him do all the things that he's bad at defensively. It's it true. just doesn't, it doesn't – it hasn't worked. It's like one of those things that like I think you see um, – like you'll see, like Derek, you'll notice that like Derek Bodner is never like, like saying that they should do this, but like a national guy will. If that Absolutely. makes sense, or national ringer. guy, the ringer, like, the will. ringer is obsessed with this right. idea. Like it's so like like Kevin O'Connor, you don't watch every Sixers game, like you <laughs> have like so like you, the it's just one of those things where the idea is like Ben is an insanely special defender he can guard like one up to like four and a you half. know 4.25 <laughs> yeah like, exactly but you're taking away everything that makes him uh because he is such a physical like specimen he can he's you know he's able to guard guards because he is just as quick as most guys. i mean there are obviously guys who are faster than him like you know like that's just, I mean, he's 6'10". That's just Trey, not, Trey Young, he struggled with right. like the smaller guys that are just incredibly agile. Most guards he is able to keep up with, uh, like, in, with, as far as their quickness and uh, acceleration is concerned. And he's also just way bigger than them. Yep. And then with bigger guys, he's just way faster than And, like, we know he's a very special defender, but it takes away the Ben, like, it's just... I think you're purposely limiting yourself. And also the offense, it's like you would want to basically outscore teams when you do that. That's like the goal. And we've seen that the offense is not uh, like, is not commensurate with like that idea basically. And those without Joel on the floor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not like, there's no like, uh, like rookie year Ben, like run and gun teams. Like it just doesn't, like uh during that 16 game uh 16 whatever what 17 game win streak yeah. it doesn't it's just not like a reality anymore and even if it's even fine if, it's not even a, it's not even like a knock on him either no, that he no, can't do that that's also a regular season thing versus a playoff thing you're not going to be able to get out to run as much in the, in the playoffs teams will figure out ways to stifle those kind of of lineups and i, I here my thing with the small ball thing is like the i the idea of like this small ball revolution outside of the warriors i've been trying yeah. to think really hard who has successfully done this up to the levels of the nba finals because the the rockets it showed the shortcomings of this with pj tucker and robert covington last year 
Uh, obviously, they're going up against the Lakers, who are a massive team. And, uh, you know, but like we're going to end up going up against the Bucks, who are a big team if in the playoffs, potentially. I, I The Heat, like I, if, if you had Bam Adebayo, essentially, you have Bam Adebayo trying to, you know, you're trying to stop him and you have... Ben Simmons or Tobias Harris as your center. That would be terrible. Them guarding those pick and rolls is not going to go well. That's all I'm going to say. Especially because if you're running those kind of offenses, like you're going to have to try the switch everything offense basically because you don't have a traditional rim protector on the floor. So you're going to like if you have a George Hill and Tobias Harris pick and roll and you're switching, you're then George Hill is going to have to guard Bam Adebayo and like <laughs> how is that going to go? I mean, it's it, it's like I think the the idea of it is much better than the reality of it, and like I I'm not opposed to trying these things in the regular season, but like we've tried Mike Scott, who is like you know, oh, and like Mike Scott obviously is not the level of player of those guys, but he is a str- he's the only thing he can still do is defend in the post, and it's he's shown his shortcomings in that regard when Jonas Valanciunas was was playing against him and he was just bullying him in, in the post, essentially. He can't play. He can't play. He's awful. He, if he, he plays in the playoffs, we're fucking done. Like, that's, yeah. that's been like, my They will thing. lose those minutes, like, every like, time. Handily. Yeah. Do you remember the, uh, what was it? Was it the Bucks game where he had, like, I don't know, he was, like, 0 of 6 from 3, and, like, everyone was, like, Dude, he had like ten feet of space on every <laughs> yeah. single one. Like he's so like, listen, I like the guy. He's a cool guy. He's, he's like, cool. Yeah, you know, I owe him a lot in in a lot of ways. You know, that's, <laughs> um, but like he can't play, and like he's so washed physically that it's just like like his shooting. Like you can see, it's like not the same. Like he used to be a real dude. He used to be like a legit like forty percent guy, and he just like. Physically, like I said, in that box game, you know, I know it's one game. You could, you no, know. but there's been a lot. You're right. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, don't like, respect the, they don't respect the shot because he can't play. The shot has fallen off and he's not as willing to let it fly as he was a year or two ago. And even even during the games where you would say, shit, Mike Scott's getting burned on defense. He's not really do, like can't really do anything with the ball. You'd go, well, at least he'll have the occasional game where he'll hit four or five threes. And we haven't had, like, pretty much any of those games this year. So, basically, when it comes to, like, our top eight or nine guys, I feel pretty good about them. Like, I feel good about the starters, or maybe George Hill even replacing Seth Curry in certain matchup-dependent things, whether, you know, maybe in a net series. Like, do you think that potentially George Hill could start in a net series just because I of- think that... Yeah, I think that he. I think that we're gonna need. Uh, and actually, this is something I know. Like, not not everyone likes uh, likes the Ricky, but like this is something that actually Spike said. Like, he thinks that we're gonna like like need to count on George Hill a little bit too much, which yeah. like I totally like because Seth is like, you know, he's he can definitely get hunted in a playoff series for sure. He saw like, it against the Clippers, uh, yeah. Yeah, like he can definitely uh that's not 
I mean, he's so small. Like, he looks like... Yeah, he he's looks not like... a bad defender. He's a good yeah, team defender. So... He competes on ball. Like, I, I, it's it's just the physical limitations. Yeah, re- like, regular guards can, like, shoot over him, which when you when you can do that in the playoffs where, like, a lot... You know what I mean? There's, like, the best shot makers and everything right. like that. Kyrie, like, you're gonna best have, of luck. Yeah, which going to Kyrie would... <laughs> Oh my god, I'm like getting stressed out thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you know, that's what it comes down to is essentially like the George Hill, uh, you know, obviously you said it's frustrating. Of course, we're all having meltdowns on Twitter about George Hill not playing it and him saying, oh, I'll be back before the playoffs because of our issues. Yeah, I know. Our history of, of Sixers injuries and oh, love and all this stuff. I'm not too concerned about it just because I don't think that – I think that people think of George Hill as like, how do you just put a point guard in and expect him to be able to do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't – I do think that we're going to ask a decent amount of George Hill, but I don't think we're going to ask him to be Kyle La- what Kyle Lowry would have been. Oh, yeah, that, that I agree with. That I agree with. And also George Hill is like, you know – I don't want to, this is like going to sound like super like sports radio, but like, you know, like veteran guy like that, like, you know, the, the comment, you know, the, the professional guy like that, dude, he can, I mean, he'll be fine. He knows what he's going to do. He's been the same, not to say that this almost sounds like a slight, but he's been the same guy for like a while now, yeah. like a very long time and it sounds like a like a slight but it's really not it's just he just knows his role and like what he does well we've seen him dude we've seen, like when he was playing with the bucks like you know they signed bledsoe to that deal or whatever and he like he was he just was better. playing he was just he was definitely better and he was playing over him like fully yeah. he was the best player in that raptor series He's the only. If you go back and you watch that game three of the Raptors Bucks series, the only reason that they had a chance, yeah, he had of he he had the the ball on the final possession of the fourth quarter, drew a foul, got two free throws to send it to overtime, hit two big shots to send it to double overtime. Like he ha- has been a plug and play guy most of his like late career, like in his mid- yeah, like I yeah. mean like. With the Cavs, with the Bucks, with with uh, you know even Oklahoma City this year, like like he has been a guy who can just kind of come in and adapt to a situation because of the fact that he can work on and off ball. And like you're right, it is kind of boomerish sports talk radio to be like he's a veteran guy, he's got the presence. But it's yeah, true, but it's so true. Yeah, like, there's a reason that, and and I find the same thing with Danny Green that I find with George Hill. And there's a reason that these guys are always on winning teams, and it's because they make almost every lineup work. And and there is a certain amount of like, and someone brought this up to me the other day, a Raptors fan who was talking about Danny Green. And this was when we were discussing him potentially being traded for Kyle Lowry and all that stuff. And this Raptors fan was like, I don't think that people realize like Danny Green might be one of the best floor raising role players in the NBA. Like he just makes everything. Like, he just does all the little things. And like, I think losing him, even though obviously it's an upgrade to get a player like Kyle Lowry, it, it definitely would have taken a little bit to get adjusted because of all the things that he can do defensively. He knows where to be on the floor. He just fits in his role so well with the Sixers. And he almost always does on these championship contenders. So it's basically like, 
having guys like George Hill and Danny Green as boring as they are. Like, I don't think there's a more boring acquisition than George Hill. <laughs> like, he was a guy that, like, I wanted on the Sixers for a while, but, like, ultimately the reason I wanted us to get him was because I thought we would be able to make other moves that would kind of complement that. And it's like, all right, well, we also got this player because he doesn't make that much money. We didn't have have to give up that much to get him. But at the same time, like, having those guys in the playoffs that you can just trust and you're just like, they'll hopefully hit open shots. They'll be able to do all of the things that you need them to do defensively. And, uh, you know, you, you, they have conference finals and finals experience. Now you, we really only have three players that have conference finals and finals experience. We have Danny Dwight and, and George Hill. And ultimately those things are going to matter when it comes to, those situations if we are to get to a conference finals if we are to get to a finals so let's move off of that uh, just one more thing on the uh danny green thing if you don't mind yeah no, so I got that was when we were talking about lowry um or we're talking about trading for lowry he was kind of brought up as just like he he had to be in the trade because you have to match salaries and everything and he was like the way he was being discussed was that he was just like he, you know, he's a salary filler. He makes the salaries. And it's like, like, no, that's not what this is. Like he, and that's why, like, you know, I'm ultimately, uh, I mean, I, I, I made my Raptor sense friends, you know, a little upset with the way <laughs> I was discussed. Yeah. I really like, uh, he was discussed as just the guy who's matching salary. And like, he has been. I don't fourth, feel like he's been our fourth best player at times our third I, best player. By a mile, yeah. yeah. Like he has been so good. And my uh my buddy Jackson Frank was saying like that he kind of understood you know, I think we all trust Maury, basically. Sure. I think that he would have to be like, you know, kind of a fool not to. And Jackson was saying that, you know, he thinks by the trade deadline next year, that's like when Maury will make like his, you know, quote unquote, his signature move. move. Yeah. Because we don't, you know, we haven't seen this team play in the playoffs, right? We've seen, you know, uh, we know like Ben has struggled in the playoffs at times before and everything like that. Um, except when, uh, you know, like you look back to the Toronto series with, uh, where Ben was kind of took a, a kind of backseat to, when Jimmy uh, was running the offense. Yeah. When Jimmy was there. So, um, Jackson was just kind of saying that, like, we don't know, like, for sure what this team needs, basically. So, like, getting rid of Danny, like, that is a, like, a risky proposition to, like, in the middle of a season, you know, everything like that. Absolutely, like, I, yeah. I was fine with, like, dude, I think Danny has, like, it's, like, kind of flown under the radar. Like, and obviously the Celtics game, like, I don't, you know, when I say casual fan, it sounds like insulting, but I'm not like trying to be like yeah, that. People way. who don't watch every game, right? If you see a guy who makes every one of his threes, like you, know, like that's good. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah they're like, oh wow, Danny Green's good. <laughs> like, uh, so that was obviously a you know a very impressive performance, but he has just been so like, just like so solid. I can't even really uh, like describe it. He's been. I've like been singing his praises and I'm glad that, you know, everyone's starting to like kind of see it basically. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and so, basically so like the, the thing about like having role players like him is like, there's a reason why the three and D 
thing, like why every team needs that three and D role player. Like they're the most sought after role players in the NBA, low usage guys who can hit threes at a high clip, high volume guy, smart team defender has, you know, over the season has improved as an on ball defender, isn't getting burnt and roasted nearly as much as he was early in the season. And Danny Green kind of was the guy that like almost like personified the three and D idea. Like his time in San Antonio basically made it so that this role, this kind of role player is like, you know, other than like, obviously the, the, you know, the precursor to him on the Spurs was Bruce Bowen. And like, Danny Danny Green has essentially taken that to like the next level in terms of like fantastic transition defender, great great uh, help defender. Like he just does, as I have said a hundred times, he does all those little things. And like in the playoffs, you're gonna need guys like that, and you need to see like ultimately this team is gonna go as far as its top three players take it. Like Ben, Tobias, and Embiid will take this team as far as possible. And putting the pieces around those guys to either succeed or fail was clearly Maury's plan and wanted to see if this core could work. And I'm skeptical that he thinks it can work, but I also uh, think, I yeah, yeah I, like I think that the, he wanted to kind of be like, either like, if it works, great, awesome, we got a good team, like I'm like, I'm doing a good job, like I'm not complaining. But if it fails, he'll at least have a built-in excuse to make a move this offseason that before this season, he might have been, people might have been like, are you insane for dumping Tobias's contract? Are you insane for trading Ben Simmons? Unless you're getting back James Harden, of course. Um, and even then, even then, we had Australian people yelling at us that it was stupid. Um, <laughs> but also, little, little... Just a little other sidebar before we get on to our last part here. Like, I think that Maxi, like, the the idea that we could just get rid of Thibel and Maxi too, in addition to Danny Green, which it sounds like that was the cost. Like, Thibel's been a good rotation player for us off the bench. Like, we're going to need that defensive wing stopper in the playoffs at all times if we're playing teams like the Nets. And then in addition to that, like, dude, there have been, t- like, I think that if Maxi was on a bad team and got to kind of, live with his failures this year, he would be one of the more exciting rookies nationally. Like they would be talking about him similarly to the way that they're talking about quickly and the way that they're talking about these, these guys who are getting opportunities that Maxi hasn't really gotten because he's on a contending team. And I think in a normal year, he would have gone to Delaware for two or three weeks uh, or, and I feel like the way people discuss the G League is like there's like a stigma around it, but like the G League is like a good thing. Like it's absolutely it is, we're better for having it. Paul Reed, um, maybe. Uh, absolutely. Um, where it's a Sixers, Adam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like I think that he goes to Delaware for you know what I mean three weeks and just you know when you're when you're point guard on a good uh, a young point guard just like. You know, just running with the rock, like it, it does, like, you know, it does matter, like getting your runs in. So and I think that in a normal year and a non-COVID year, because the way they, they set up the G League with the bubble, like, you know, Maxi, like just he wasn't a part of the rotation, but he was still playing, you know, in like a blowout. He, you know, he would get a few minutes here and there. So you couldn't really commit to sending him there because you need guys on the team. You know what I mean? If, uh, you know, if Shake goes down or something like that, how whatever the case could have been. Um, so I think that in a normal year, he goes down to Delaware for three weeks and just, and is better and is, you know, is better off for it basically. Um, but yeah, no, I totally I, agree. I, I and and the, 
the Thibel thing is interesting it, it, though because of how like uh, you know I I was definitely I've been a Thibel skeptic before, but he has like I mean you know Trent he hasn't I was gonna say transformed his game, but that's really not what he's done. He's just gotten like <laughs> better at the things that he does, and uh, he has been so like uh, it's hard to it's hard to like put into words how uh, how special he's uh, become basically as and. You know, I, it's really funny, man, watching him, like, uh, the game the other night. He plays, like, I swear, like, you know, when I when I, I haven't played basketball in over a year because of the pandemic. But, like, when I play pickup, like, you know, I am not a guard in any way. Like, he gets a steal and just, like, stands there and, like, refuses to bring the ball up. And, like, it's like, Throws it to Dwight. <laughs> this from me it is so funny man i, no, I it's, it's true he's become one he of the best defensive wings in the nba like he's yeah, already he like a, like a top five. i mean you could argue he's a top five defensive wing right now top 10 like he has been so, and and like having that guy who could just play spot minutes in the playoffs and come in off the bench and defend the other guy's best player it's like that's just a luxury that other teams don't have and the thing with 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 maxi and thibault is like like especially with Maxi, like you would be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't go on Basketball Reference and compare him to De'Aaron Fox and Jamal Murray's rookie years, like I do obsessively. <laughs> but like, like here's the thing: that's not a normal thing to do. But Sixers fans aren't normal, and we have to convince ourselves that Absolutely. you know every guy's the next guy. But but we've seen like even an older player like Thibel go from like being a good defender in his first season to a great defender in his second season. Like, I just think that a guy who's four years older than Maxi, and, like, a guy like Shake who, like, you know, has taken steps, has regressed in some elements, like the shot isn't falling like it was last year. But you can see defensively he's a lot better this year. He, he gets the pace of the offense a lot more. Like, he gets downhill more often now. Like, there are things that I think in Maxi's game that next year – we if we don't trade him this offseason, which is definitely a possibility, but there it's like he would I think he would solve a lot of the issues that the Sixers half court offense has had if you get a refined version of him. So if we can get if we can ever get that refined version of Maxi with the other young guys, like I just like basically how Maury has invested in like kind of essentially like rebuilding the farm, like a like a baseball team would. Like he's taken he's taken flyers on guys like Mason Jones and Paul Reed, and you know Paul Reed's turned out to be like he's clearly an NBA talent. Isaiah Joe looks like he's an NBA talent. Tyrese Maxi, like the Sixers. I, I think the idea because Embiid is dominating right now, it's like they have to make an all in move, but like. Now he's loading up on young talent to either consolidate that in a trade or you can basically say, all right, now we can afford to get rid of Danny Green because Matisse Thibel's taking that next step. Or we can afford to, to, to move off of Shake Milton, Seth Curry, whatever, because Tyrese Maxey's taking that next step and we can replace them maybe with someone who's better. So right now, like, I, I just think that the Sixers, like, like we talked about Mike Scott earlier. If we have one injury in the playoffs, it's possible we get big Mike Scott minutes. And like, I don't even want to talk about this. I'm going to hang up. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going to talk about. I'm not going to talk about it in detail. But I just want to show you, like, if we were to have traded those three guys plus our draft picks for Kyle Lowry, that's how thin uh, yeah. this team is. Like, that's yeah. like, like we are that close to playing Mike Scott already, and like, it doesn't look like we're going to get anyone in the buyout market or free agency that will fill any of these holes. But anyway, 
Speaking of, we don't have to talk about irrelevant franchises like the Toronto Raptors and uh, bum GMs like Masai Ujiri anymore. Um, <laughs> It'll be interesting to see uh, where uh, where both Lowry and Masai go this summer as they <laughs> uh, surely be leaving for, for nothing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you think that maybe Lowry ends up in, in Miami or L.A. and then maybe Masai goes to D.C. to hang out with his – isn't he boys with Obama or something? I don't know. Uh, maybe who knows yeah i I don't know why he has the connection to dc but he does it's funny that uh you know as much as i hate the heat uh you know when when lowry goes there this uh this offseason i'll i'll be celebrating uh, (laughs) lakers too if he goes to the lakers lakers are my they're my squad baby and also Last last note on that, I will be rooting for the Clippers in the Western Conference because it will make Raptors fans mad if they win. So congratulations, Raptors fans, um, for yelling at us about the Kyle Lowry thing. All right. Um, so, the team that traded for Kawhi, traded Jakob Pertl for Kawhi, is just saying that we have to just throw all of our chips in for 35-year-old Kyle Lowry. On an expiring contract who wants 50 50 million over the next few years. Anyway, um, okay, so we're going to talk about the East contenders now, which seems like there might not be that many. Um, The first question up top, the Nets have been absolutely destroying. One of my favorite things that Sixers Twitter does is anytime that the Nets – blow out like an 11 seed that are missing four of their best players. It's like a complete and total meltdown. (laughs) It's like, yeah, no, I don't think that Zion Williamson can single-handedly beat the Nets, even though the Nets were missing James Harden. Like, I think that I'm taking the Nets uh, nine times out of 10 when you have Zion, uh, Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, James Johnson, and Lonzo starting. But the question is, you know, as good as the Nets have looked, we still haven't seen the three guys together, especially since they got the buyout guys. And Blake apparently went into a time machine and came out as Clippers Blake. Uh, and I need Adam Silver to do an investigation because there's clearly been some collusion there. Uh, but can anyone beat the Nets is my question for you. Do you think that there's anyone in the Eastern Conference specifically? Let's not co- count the Western Conference because I think they might have some uh, uh, more competitors there than in the Eastern Conference. Do you think that anyone can beat the Nets? And if you do, then who? Well, I mean, can beat the Nets is a, like, like I guess you could – if you squint really hard and like you know you 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 talk yourself into it, you could say that. Okay, let me let me phrase it to you this way: If you were going to, um, if you were going to, you know, in a lab, like formulate a team that theoretically could be the Nets, it would look something like the Sixers. I would say. And the game that we played against them, uh, when was that? Was that like February or something like that? When it was just Harden. When it was just Harden. I mean, again, it's a, it's just Harden, so like it's hard to say. But Ben actually looked really uh, like Ben's usage and his uh, like utility actually. You know, like I said, we've seen him at times struggle in the playoffs before, but. In that series, I think that he is pretty uh, – he becomes, like, 
very useful and like I think that he could actually do well, but I do I would like I would not pick anyone to beat them now. Right. Yeah. I think that they're, they're the favorites. clearly the favorites. Yeah. And also now that it's uh KD who is out, like KD I feel like is like maybe the most like seamless entry uh not entries like the player who could most seamlessly be put into any team. Yes. Like, in, like As maybe it be in all of basketball. Right. Like, yeah. He is like, is that guy, you know what I mean? He knows what he does. He's insanely good at what he does. And it's just, he fits everywhere. I think that he, I think that now that it's like, hit, what, uh, what actually, what was his injury? What is his injury? He, him and Harden both had hamstring injuries. Which, hamstring, okay. Which, Hey, it's something that flares up for sure. Chris like, Paul, like we saw yeah, it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um. So no, I would not pick anyone to beat them, but I do. You know, like, uh, like I said, I think if you were to make a team, um, you know, who is to beat them, it would look something like the Sixers because they honestly don't have. I mean, Embiid could literally like I. You could easily see like Embiid averaging fifty. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say like thirty-eight and fifteen, and yeah. then losing in like six games, you know, For in sure. like five six games. So my whole thing with that is basically like I, I think that Ben can slow down Harden. I, I think that Ben tends to do really well on guys like Harden and Luca that don't have that like explosive like athleticism and just the ability to get where they they need to go with the blink of an eye, like. Like, yeah, they have good first steps. Like, they have all those things that you need, but, like, they're not the most athletic, just, like, roast you guys. Like, they're not Kyrie. They're not, like, those kind of guys. And I think that Ben on Harden slowing down their offense will be the best shot that the Sixers have. Like, everything flows through Harden when he's in the game. And, like, as he's proven in the past, he's had some playoff struggles. Now, obviously, he didn't have Kyrie and Kevin Durant to give the ball to in these situations if he was struggling down the stretch or if he was tired or whatever. But having the defenders that the Sixers have, having Joel Embiid as that kind of X factor as a guy like, who are you going to put on him? Like, if you put Nicholas Claxton, he'll bully him in the post. If you put LaMarcus well, Aldridge... He'll do the Robert Williams and he'll fell out in, like... Exactly, you know. in 13 minutes. Yeah, right. So you can't put Claxton in there, so your rim protection is going to be not great. Like, your best rim protector on the floor is probably Kevin Durant, who has proven to be a decent rim protector in the past, but also coming off multiple injuries. Like, we don't know if he's going to be the same guy defensively as he has been in the past. And then... Like, like everyone keeps saying, like, oh, they got these big, like, they're getting big bodies. They're just trying to get as many big bodies as possible to throw on Joel Embiid. But, like, he, Joel Embiid is roasting LaMarcus Aldridge the entire series. Like, obviously. Like, I think that Ben could actually be, like like you said, like a useful player, in, in even in the half court in that series, because of the fact that they just don't really have that, like, elite interior defense and also their perimeter defenders. Like, like Harden and Kyrie... For for all of their, like, like they get shit on a lot as defenders. They at least try. Like, when the games matter, like, like James Harden has had some really good defensive moments in the playoffs. Like, I mean, just last year, the, the play against Lou Dort at the end of the game. Like, when those guys are locked in, they can be decent defenders. But, like, ultimately, if the Nets are going to win the title, it's because they're just absolutely roasting teams and outscoring teams. And we think that's probably what is going to happen. 
I think if I look at the rest of the East, if I say in a Buck series, like, I don't know. I'm so split on the Bucks because I watch them against good teams and I go, this team is not good. And this is the same thing that they've done over and over, which is they beat up on the bad teams and then they look like things. What's that? <laughs> Net rating kings. Right, exactly. Know, yeah, they they, they run it. that point differential up, and they essentially make it look like they're this elite team. And then the playoffs come around, and they tend to struggle. Giannis definitely looks better this year. I just having watched Giannis a few times, like he he definitely looks a little bit better when he has the ball. Drew Holiday is a pretty big upgrade over a, a huge upgrade over Eric Bledsoe in the playoffs. Playoffs, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the regular season, even I think that he has been. Better than than, but I've always thought Bledsoe has been kind of overrated. Just because it's the same thing. Like in the big games, he never showed up. In the games against Cleveland on a Tuesday, he might have a great game. Whatever. So, like basically, I look at the Bucks and I go, they have the size and like can when the rotation shrink and they don't have to play Bryn Forbes and Pat Connaughton as much. Like, can they muster together enough defenders? and basically make it so that they can kind of, like, strangle the nets and, like, slow the game down, kind of similarly to the Sixers. And I'm still just skeptical of them as long as Bud is the coach. And I think I just will be, even though I see things that they do now that are different and they might work in the playoffs, I'm still just like, what? I don't know what to make of the Bucks. I feel uh, when it comes to, like, uh, when it comes to us playing them, at least, I feel like... I want them in the second round. Not at, like, and that game that we played against. I know we lost that game, but like, if you're a Bucks fan and you watch that game, like, if if it were switched, like, because you know I'm like you know, you know I have like the Negadelphian in me for sure. Like, if if that were switched and like I were a Bucks fan and like I watched my team, like I would be like I'm out. not feeling good on that. Yeah, I would be like, no, we're done. We have no chance. And, Ben, dude, Ben did some stuff in that game. Ben, like, it's so crazy because Giannis was the exact. We talked about the, uh, we talked about like the quick guards uh, who who have given Ben problems before. The other kind of guy who in the past had given Ben problems are like, Giannis is like maybe the most physically gifted player in the league. Who he is like literally one of the most physically gifted players of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah strong as an ox and ben dude i i like i actually rewatched that game just to like uh you know like the bridge version and man that's one of ben, his best performances ever i totally agree and he did some stuff in that game where he like Giannis was like getting stuck in the air and like having to pass out and stuff like that like multiple times on like on like single possessions that would like I feel good about playing them. I like. I'm not like. I'm not saying that we would win, but I am not afraid of them. I like. I want to play them in the second round. That is like who, uh, you know, that's who I want to play. Okay. I I keep saying that we're gonna give up the like the number one. Like we 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 somehow haven't done it yet. We like have. Uh, we're half a game back now. I think. Yeah. Okay. Because they play. Yeah. They, did they play last night? The Nets. I don't think they did. Right. No, oh, we played. We went two. Ga- okay, we went two days without two days without playing. That's what it was. Yeah, 
that we, which is two days without playing, and then we're going to play like 40 back-to-backs before the end of the season. Yeah, fuck, yeah. The, fuck Adam Silver, fuck this season. But yeah, I feel good about that, man. I feel good about playing that. I, I feel, I kind of feel the same way. In, in, in a way, I look at the top three guys on each team, and I think they, they the Sixers match up pretty evenly in terms of like, I think Embiid has the potential to have a better series than Giannis because Giannis, for as much as he has improved, there are ways to slow him down in the postseason, similarly as there are ways to slow down Ben in the postseason because of the lack of a jump shot. And, like, in the half court, Embiid will be, at least this version of Embiid, would be a much more effective offensive player in the playoffs than Giannis. Then Tobias, like, Chris Middleton, I think, is a better player than Tobias. Like, I do. Like, overall, like, but... They're very similar level players. And Tobias this season has been about the same level as Chris Middleton. You know, Middleton's had a little bit of an off shooting uh, for his mid-range. And, like, you know, he he hasn't performed quite as well when Giannis is out and those kind of things. But, like, from a three-level scorer perspective, like, Tobias has been... He's top. He's the seventh best post up scorer in the NBA this year in terms of guys who actually post up. He's the seventh best ISO scorer in the NBA this year in terms of guys, and he's like the twenty third best pick and roll scorer of like the hundred and seventy players who run the pick and roll regularly. So like Tobias as a three level scorer, you know he'll never. The only thing about him is like if Tobias just had a reliable pull up three like Chris Middleton does, like. You're talking about like a fucking absolutely di- dynamite yeah. scorer. Like, we want Tobias to take like two more threes a game, and we've wanted that. To the, uh, yeah. People have wanted that like his entire career, basically. For sure. It's, yeah, that's it's, it's been his thing. They, but he is, as you said, he's very good in the mid range. He's like one of the few guys where like you don't mind seeing that. Yeah, when he has the space to operate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he has the space to operate, and, like, I mean, he's been one of the best mid-range, like I said earlier, he's one of the best two-point guys this year. Like, I think that that matchup in a playoff series where Middleton has also struggled, if Tobias can give that same, uh, you know, effort, energy, all the things that he's been doing this year, when Embiid plays, that he could prove to be on the same level as Chris Middleton in a playoff series. Then you have the Drew, like Drew's been playing really well recently. Drew and Ben, both defensive-minded guards. Obviously, Drew's a little bit better in the half court. Ben's better in transition, which isn't super beneficial in a playoff series. But I look at those three as pretty evenly matched. Drew probably beats out Ben there. Tobias and, and Middleton are pretty even as of right now. And then I think I'd take Embiid in, in, a, in a playoff series over Giannis right now. So... Then you look at the, the the four to nine guys, and I think we fucking crush them. Like, I yeah. think that Brooke Lopez isn't the same player he was. Dante Vincenzo is probably their fourth best player. And, like, I if Dante Vincenzo is your fourth best player, like, I mean, like, I like him. Like, he's a solid role player, but, like, yeah. like I, I just don't see a way that any team is scared of Dante DiVincenzo, Brooke Lopez, fourth and fifth best players. Like, especially because like Danny Green is like, way better. you know, like, yeah. And in a playoff series, like, come on, 
Like, yeah. Well, I think like our ben, even our bench, like George, like yeah. if George Hill is our fifth or sixth or seventh, what fifth or sixth best player, like that's He's playing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like like he played for them, like in, in a playoff series a lot recently. So I'm saying, like, I'm looking at like, and like I think that Shake will be better uh, once he isn't given as much responsibilities. I think Thibault can affect the game. I think that what I've been on the bandwagon of like Dwight in spot minutes in the playoffs is going to be He's good. good. Yeah, it's good. It's I like he's <laughs> we know what he is. Like, <laughs> he's he is like what yeah, that's like I, like I I really enjoy watching Dwight from the free throw line. Like he just like it, like he just like flings it up there and stuff. Like he's obviously a clown. He's gonna get he's gonna have two possessions where he sets two straight illegal screens and it's just like where he like flings his leg out and then is like yelling at the ref that he didn't do anything wrong. We know that that's going to happen, but Dwight can like, Dwight is like perfectly solid. I have been like, people have been like freaking out about the Dwight thing. Cause I know like for a while that doc was running like the Matisse Ben, yeah, right? which bad. like, don't get me wrong. Like I know that was bad, but that's I've been Dwight's like kind of though. Yeah, right, exactly. He's not like, you know, he's been in the league since I was like, you know, 11 years old. It's not like he's going to change. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. He's perfectly fine. And I, I feel the exact same way about him. If you look at, so here's the thing. When you look at the lineups where Dwight plays without Ben and without Maxi, so basically a rookie point guard who doesn't shoot all that much and Ben Simmons who doesn't shoot at all and both guys aren't really effective off-ball players, all those things. He's like a plus 19. It's a small sample size. It's like 130 right. minutes. But he's a plus 19 in those minutes. And, like, having George Hill, as we said before, having Tobias, having guys that are, like, can create a little bit of their own offense, can work off-ball. Like, I think that what, what Dwight has done and, like, this has been, like, I've been, and as you said, like, I haven't been as pro-Ben as I have been until this season in terms of, like, what he can do as, like, that high-level, he's almost, like, more effective as, like, an Andre Iguodala high-level role-player type guy than he is as a star, and, like, the thing about the Ben and Dwight fit is, like, it's not Dwight's fault that Ben doesn't shoot, and, like, ultimately, most people point guards in the NBA like oh 99% of point guards in the NBA can shoot and Ben Alfred Payton and like uh, maybe a few others can't and that is the kind of point guard that Dwight has worked with his whole career like he's always been with guys who can shoot or like playing off LeBron James last year so like ultimately like I think Dwight will be fine for eight to 12 minutes in the playoffs he's still a really good rim protector he, he does his stupid Dwight things every once in a while but as I said when he's more focused and he's playing in spot minutes I think that he could be more beneficial to this team in terms of just like like just being a guy who can essentially eat innings like like people have been using that like yeah, As, like, uh, he, he can do what Greg Monroe didn't do for the Sixers two years ago, right. essentially. Yeah. Be, be a minus four. It does, That's yeah. fine. As long as the Just start, don't like, be minus, like, 15 in yeah. three minutes. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. Give, me, give me, like, nine minutes in the playoffs and be a minus four. That's Absolutely. Fine. Like, totally. That's fine. 
Uh, let's let well, I will take that until Embiid retires. Literally, that's <laughs> why. Like, we just need to not die when Embiid is on the court, and let's roll because when Embiid's on the court, we're going to be hopefully crushing teams. All right, it's funny that you. Uh, my, my bad, real quick. No, you're good, you're you, but it's funny that you uh, were talking about like how you know because I have been. Uh, I've I've been very happy with Ben this season. He's obviously struggled a little bit lately, but I've been. Like you said, more pro Ben this year than I ever have before. But I want to. Uh, it's funny that you talked about like how all, like every other guard in the league shoots because one thing like that the uh, you know like the Ben people like the uh, you know the Aussies and everything like that. The one thing that they bring up, and I think we might have like tweeted about this recently, is like the uh, like the stat that they like to bring up, like the yes. assisted threes made right. or whatever. And like he's like number one in the league, uh, you know, and has been number one in the league the past. And I'm like, yeah, because like every other lead ball handler, eight possessions a game is shooting one on their own. Yes, and exactly. Season, that's like 600 possessions. <laughs> like, so yes, he's going to like that is like if you if you added their made threes in there, like right. I, I don't, yeah, I yeah, no, no, I totally agree. It's like yeah, of it's course, like the worst way to use stats, like and function in the offense of context. Yeah, like. exactly. Yeah, and also like you know, as beneficial as that is in the regular season, a lot of those threes are coming in transition, and like his his role in the offense is essentially hunting for guys that can shoot threes when he's working out of the post when he's driving all that stuff that's all awesome but when it comes to playoff times and teams have time to game plan like you saw it in the clippers game like they're just going to play passing lanes and just be like dude just let ben like if ben is going to beat us scoring like he did in the jazz game ben is going to beat us scoring like he did in the jazz game like and and they didn't even win that game but like that those like teams would live with that rather than ben kicking to open shooters and letting Embiid run the offense just because it's not that ben is a bad player it's just that in the half court they don't want guys he's taking less he's less yeah. effective than a guy shooting an open three or joel Embiid posting up or to, even tobias harris having the ball running a pick and roll running an iso whatever it is so like ultimately what it comes down to is like Ben Ben is always going to be hunting for those guys on threes because he's not looking to create his own offense. And like Doc has brought this up recently is like, I'm not worried about Ben as a scorer. And I'm like, look, I'm not worried about Ben as a scorer either, just because we don't have any other playmakers in the half court. But at the same time, like when defenses are playing those passing lanes and they're game planning around stopping your half court offense, Ben needs to be more aggressive and take those drives and get to the hoop and not not worry about as much as setting up his teammates in the playoffs. I wish like two times a game he would try and dunk on someone. I not, know like, he could. Like that's the thing is that like something posterize people and he like I don't know what it is. Like he'll even he'll be in a position to like dunk and just like lay the ball in. And I know that like sometimes his like uh his touch like escapes him at the rim, but that's not even what I'm talking about. Like I'm talking about like there are times when like he could just like yam on guys and he, and he just, just like doesn't. he's like I'm gonna just place the ball in the basket. Yeah, like, if I could, you know, like I could I could dunk like once out of every ten times. Like if I you know get a good groove on the ball and yeah. everything like that. If I could dunk, I would dunk like every time. <laughs> and the aggressive, the aggressive Ben, passive Ben thing has been beaten to death, and I don't want to talk about it too much. But like just when he is that aggressive and that just like he's almost like an energy ball. Like it's just so much more fun to watch too. Uh, yeah, like it's sure. just like the, the 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 good Ben games are like some of my favorite Sixers games. So all right. 
So let's just wrap this up real quick because I know you got to go. So you said you want to play the Bucks in the second round, right? But yeah. do you would rather play them than the Heat? So I think that like, because uh, we're not going to play the Nets in the second round at this point. It doesn't yeah. look like that. Yeah, well, there's no. I mean, there's no way we drop to to four. That unless, would be a, like, unless there's a collapse that one of these, like the Bucks, collapse or something. But that's probably not going to happen. So are you saying that like are you you would say you're basically asking like you like you think the Heat could beat the Bucks like in the first round? Is that what you're like? No, no, no. What I'm saying is I think that the Heat and the Celtics are going to end up in the four or five four, matchup. Four or five. Okay. okay, I, okay, think okay. That, I think right, dude. Honestly, right now, like. I think that oh, I would take a healthy Celtics team over a healthy Heat team. And I know that sounds insane, but, like, dude, the Heat have the 22nd offense in the NBA. Like, it's not like last year. Like, they were playing yeah. well down the stretch last year. Like, if there is a flip of the switch to happen, like, it's got to be massive. And, like, the flipping switch things is usually defense. It's not offense. Yeah. Um. I – so the, the thing about the Bucks is that I – I just like want to play them. Yeah. Like, because I want to like, listen, like we haven't, you know, we haven't been out of the second, like I would be fine if we play the heat in the second round, like I would be fine. But I just like, I don't know. Like you want to, I do. I think, I don't think that we're going to win the title this year. I know. No, that neither I do I. Yeah. I've so kind like, of I would just love to beat the bucks. Like I would just love to Fair beat enough. them and win and just like hold it over. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I just like, like the heat would be easier, like for I mean for sure. Like, but I just want I don't know what it is. Like I just want, want to be and I also win. think that Yeah, like it would just feel so good beating them. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, would, and don't get me wrong, like the heat are like very hateable in their own way. But like I would just I don't know, like and I'm not I like Bam and Jimmy and I like 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 I yeah, I, I love Jimmy. I, like, yeah. I hate the Heat culture, but I don't hate their yeah. individual players as much as other people do. And oh, it's the same thing is like, yeah. like get out of here, yeah, dude. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's so Yeah. That dude is a loser. Like I don't like <laughs> that that's gonna uh Oladipo. Oh like Oladipo. well he's hurt now again. Yeah, yeah. Like the once I you remember like last year there was a thing about like him like asking like the Knicks to like, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. trying to get recruited the Knicks like in the middle of a game like once you hear that like get that dude out of here yeah no I I I I talked about it I didn't want him on the Sixers because one because I would have hated that the vi- like, like the vibes the just vibes, the vibes would have been thrown up no, no, like he, out of, he would like, fuck up the vibes so bad but here's yeah. the thing I think that the downside of if you somehow lost to the help. The, the Heat or the Celtics in a seven-game series would be so di- a disastrous yeah. feeling that is just inescapable. Whereas if we lost to the Nets or the Bucks, like I would be like, well, uh, they're good teams. Like to the Nets, there's nothing. Like- no, 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 no. And if you lose to the Bucks, like I would be disappointed because I think we can beat them. But ultimately, I would be like, I think that Giannis is like a top three player in the league. I have no shame in losing to one of the best players in the league. And if we lost, and also, I, I mean, you know, I'm higher on Jimmy and Tatum than a lot of people. But like, if we were to lose within in, during an MVP and Embiid season, basically to one of those two teams, I think the downside would feel so bad that I don't even want, I don't even want to risk it. I like, yeah, I just can't risk it. Before I, uh, like before uh, we wrap this up, I, I do want to say one thing that, uh, so like when we hired doc, I was like, not, I'm not, I was not a doc guy. Like, you know, I don't want to like have this, like, you know, 
Lincoln Project as coach. That's <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, like I was not, and I, I think Ty Lue is like a, like, I was super in on Ty Lue. I think he's like probably the most underrated coach in the league. We've he's seen really, him, really we've seen him be like an architect, like in a playoff series of like, but I just want to like, I was not in on the dock. I was like lukewarm at the very, very best. Same here. I just want to say that like, I think his number one job is just to, is like, you know, we joke about the Nash being like the vibes cultivator, but I think the docs like number one job is like making sure Joel and Ben are copacetic and like feeling good and staying accountable and like cultivating the vibes. I think he's done a fantastic job of that. And I have been like, you know, I'm like super pro doc. Like I've been, he's been amazing. Like, you know, I, I don't know how, like there's sometimes, like we said, the Matisse, uh, like the Matisse Ben Dwight lineups, we know like that's, that's yeah. problematic. Playing, playing Mike Scott in general instead of going right. small. Yeah, there's like, some he has his, like, no coach is perfect, but he has his words. And I, I just like need to give a shout out to doc before. Like, yeah, no, he's before. been amazing. I'm totally yeah. with you. I don't like, know how anyone could could argue otherwise, basically. You know what I mean? Anyone who does, it has an agenda for, all I'm going to say is they have an agenda for uh, Brett Brown or they have an agenda for a specific player on the Sixers, and I'm not going to mention who it was. And we know, <laughs> okay. we both know who we're talking about here. Yeah, um, exactly. But, all right, last thing, literally, like, total last thing. Predictions for the season, where do you think they finish? Uh, do they get the one seed? Do they make the Eastern Conference Finals? Do they lose in the second round? What's your feeling? I think they finish up as the two seed. Okay. Um, because I think down the stretch, you know, sit and beat a couple of games, you know. For sure. Not like uh, – I would be fine with being the two seed. I think we uh, win in the first round against, I don't know, whoever. Like, uh, it's so the hard. To, like, the Knicks. Four through, like, yeah, like, I guess, like, the Hornets, I guess I would, like, what? Four well, through, like, on it's over. Yeah. So, like – frazzled or whatever um so i'd say we we win in the first round very handily you know sweep or gentleman sweep uh beat the bucks in seven in the second round right. and then you know lose to the nets in five okay six i don't six. know six yeah yeah i've said I've gone back and forth on it but I, I i think eastern conference finals potential loss to the nets I think we might give them a little bit more trouble. I think it might be one of those series where it's like every game was close, and it's like it was yeah, a close yeah, yeah. series than you think kind of thing. But yeah, we're like we're like in in like September. We're like it was closer than, than you know. <laughs> Look at the numbers. We're like yeah, the, the total differential on this every is eleven game. points. Yeah, that's exactly God, please like, don't ever let us be like those people. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> All right. right. Thank you so much. I know you got to get out of here. I appreciate you coming on, dude. Definitely would like to have you on in the future. It was an awesome time. Peace. Sounds good. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. Take it easy, dude.